what we're going to do today, we're going to begin this series just kind of with an overview. We want to talk about who the enemy is, that we are at war. We are the part of the army of Christ. We are soldiers for Jesus. If you are believers here today, and we do have an enemy we have an enemy of our soul, and I'm not here to, you know, to hype it up or to scare you or anything like that, but the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil, and having done all, stand firm. Would you pray with me? God, we ask you to bless the reading and the hearing of your word, and we pray, Lord, that we would really understand and acknowledge that, that there is a battle going on for our souls. There's a battle going on for our children's souls. And God, what we need to do is recognize that, understand the game plan of the enemy, and operate, Lord, as you have called us to. God, I pray that this word would resonate with us today. I pray, God, that we would hear it, that it would touch our hearts, and that we would go out with a brand new motivation to reach people for Jesus. God, that is our heart. That is our desire. We want to fulfill that great commission that you've called us to in Jesus' name. So, Lord, speak to us today. And help us understand if we've been living a, a defeated life, if we've been living a life where we've been beaten down and battered, God, we don't have to live there anymore. God, but we can live victoriously. And for it, God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your phones with you today, you can go to the Bridge NC app, go to the Goldsboro location, uh, click on it, and you will find notes there for the sermon today. So I ask you to please check that out. But there is a battle going on. There is a battle going on, but it's not a flesh and blood battle, but it is against Satan and the powers of darkness. In Ephesians 6, it tells us, we used to do this with our kids. Anybody ever do this with your kids? Put on the armor of God. You put on the helmet of salvation. You put on the belt of truth. You shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the shield of faith that thwarts the fiery darts of the enemy. How many of you know every day we we need to do that. Every day, we need to put on that whole armor of God because every day, we are being bombarded with different things that are trying to distract us and get our attention pulled away from the most important thing. Now, here's what I want to make very, very clear from the outset today. I'm not here to glorify the devil. I'm not here to give him any airplay. But what I am here to do is take a closer look at someone who is very real. And he is the enemy of your soul. Um, and, and unveil that. John 8, says that he is the father of lies. And the biggest lie that he perpetrates against each and every one of us every single day is that he doesn't really exist. He's not real. And I would be shocked 
If there were someone in earshot of my voice here this morning that is hearing me talk about this issue right now, this topic right now, and going, eh, I, you know, I don't know about all that devil stuff. I, you know, Barna Group in 2009 found that the majority of, of people, 68% of Americans thought that Satan was real. 40% said of that 68 that he's really not a living being but a symbol of evil. Now, can I tell you something? The Bible does not teach us that. And that is my standard. That is what we stand on here at the bridge. That is what we teach. That is what we preach. And the Bible teaches us something very, very, very different. But if he can convince you that he doesn't exist, then whatever you do is just whatever you do, and that's no big deal. You know, how many of you have heard? Well, you know, that's, that, look, you do what you do. I'll do what I do. I mean, we're all good. Don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. All roads lead to heaven. There are multiple, multiple ways to get to heaven. There's only one problem with that ideology. The Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible doesn't teach us that. It says there is one way to the Father, and that is through the Son, Jesus Christ. Narrow is the way. And so what I want us to do today is just take a few minutes to look at what Scripture says about the enemy and, and do a little bit of studying. Now, this is not a foreign concept. Today is what? What is today? Super Bowl Sunday, otherwise known as the happiest day in a chicken farmer's life, right? <laughs> because I don't remember how many millions of pounds of chicken Wings are eaten on Super Bowl Sunday, but there is a bunch. And look, there's no other day of the year anybody eats celery except Super Bowl Sunday because why would you eat it any other time? But you got to have it with your chicken wings, right? So, um, but uh, some of you are, whoo, what is he talking about? Um, many of you are planning on watching the Super Bowl today. You're going to, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's rooting for the Chiefs because we're not really sure they're going to win, but we, you know, we're hoping they will. We're hoping they will. I don't have a dog in the fight, okay, or a bird. I'm an Atlanta Falcon. So, um, uh, but today is Super Bowl Sunday. I'm telling you, y'all got to quit now. I, it's squirrels everywhere. So, um, but you're planning on watching with friends. You're going to have a party. You're going to have wings. You're going to tune in and all that stuff. And some of you now, some of you are watching the commercials and the Super Bowl just is going to happen to interrupt it, okay? Um, there's a football game that's going to mess all that up. But whatever the case, the Chiefs have been watching film for weeks now. The 49ers have been watching film for weeks now. Why have they been doing that? Because they want to find out what the tells are. The offensive tells, the defensive tells. What are the things that are giveaways that they're running particular plays? And how do they defend that? How do they uh, operate so that they are able to get the upper hand on their opponent? Um, because, and the reason they do this, is if you know what your opponent is going to do, you're going to be able to effectively stop their next move. You're going to be able to thwart the next thing that they're going to do. Now, we see this happening in football as young as peewee, right? When these little kids are playing football, there are coaches, 
this is just hilarious to me. There are coaches of seven and eight-year-old kids that will go to other football games and watch their kids play. Can I tell you what they're doing at seven and eight years old? It's the same thing they do when they're playing soccer. They're fetching a ball, okay? That's what they're doing. They, they're not knowing, they don't know all the plays. Of that. And I mean, I think it's a little over the top when they're seven or eight. They're learning the fundamentals, but that's about it. Um, but it can be a little overkill when you do that when they're that young. But in the case of Satan, it is not overkill. It is wise to understand his strategies because there is so much on the line. Because if the enemy can convince you that he doesn't exist, what else can he convince you of? That Jesus doesn't exist. If he isn't real and he doesn't exist, then maybe God doesn't either. But I want to share with you three facts today about Satan. The three facts that I want to share and I want us to look at very quickly are these three things. One, that he is a decided fact. Secondly, he is a destructive force. And thirdly, he is a defeated foe. I, I've heard this preached before and, and I love this verbiage. And as best I can tell, uh, this originated with the late Dr. Adrian Rogers. How many of you have heard uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers preach? Man, I'm telling you, like a house of fire, okay? That's what my daddy would say when he heard some good preaching. Now, that man can preach, and he has gone to be with Jesus now, but if you've never heard any of his sermons, I encourage you to check him out. It's excellent, excellent stuff. But this, this verbiage, these points, they come from him. I want to give him credit, and, uh, and maybe it originated somewhere else. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. But, um, but as far as I can tell, it originated with him. But I, I, I want us to check this out, and I want us to look at who the enemy is and, and what his tactics are and how we can respond to him on a daily basis. So let's look at number one. Satan is a decided fact. He is a decided fact. He is real. The Old Testament prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel had much to say about Satan and his fall from heaven. Satan began as an arch archangel in heaven and was named Lucifer. He led worship. And what did he want to do? Instead of leading worship, he wanted what? He wanted to be worship. He wanted to be the, he wanted to be the idol. He wanted to be the, 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 the object of people's affection. That's what I love about our worship team up here. Did you see how many people we had up on this stage? Gage did such a good job, and, and all the team, such a good job leading today. I mean, there's 12, 15 people standing on this stage. All I saw was Jesus. They just, you disappeared. You know, there were lights on them and all that kind of stuff. But all I was able to focus on was Jesus. And that's what we want to do. We want to disappear. We don't want it to be about us. And, and that was the intent. That's always the intent of every worship leader. But this worship leader began wanting the glory. And he wanted to be worshipped. And God cast him down from heaven. In the New Testament... There are many writers that have many things to say about who the enemy is, but I want us to look at Matthew 6, 13. Jesus said this about the enemy of your soul. He said, do, he said and do not lead us into temptation when he's teaching us how to pray. 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The evil one wants us to adopt a particular belief system. We're told almost daily, and I mentioned this before, there are so many different ways to heaven. In Judges 17, anybody ever done a study in the book of Judges? If you've never read it, I'm telling you, it's an incredible book. There's a lot, and it's a sad book. There's a lot of sad stuff that go on in this book. But what you see in the book of Judges is you see the children of Israel um, coming to God in, with a repentant heart, and they do well for a short period of time. And then over and over and over and over in the book of Judges, it says this, they rebelled against God. And so God, the reason it's called Judges is he kept putting judges in place so that they could administrate over all of these things that were going on. It says in 17.6, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. How many of you think there might be a problem if you do what's right in your own eyes? Everybody doing what they think they ought to do. Um, I make a lot of references to, to, to teenagers and kids because that's kind of where I am right now in my life. Uh, matter of fact, I'm really close to another point in my life. I, I'm, I don't know if anybody else this year is going to be getting a mailing, but I got a mailing yesterday. Uh, this is a little sidebar again. It, it's my, you know, the way my brain does. But I got an AARP mailing yesterday. <laughs> well, welcoming me to the club. So... I was a little bit upset about it. I got to be honest with you, kind of offended. I was like, really? I'm going to get welcome to the club? And then I started reading all the benefits that I get. And I'm like, man, I'm signing up for this. 12 bucks a year? Man, I'm, gonna, I'm all over that thing. But, uh, but I reference kids because that's where I'm at. Anybody ever left their children at home alone for the weekend and you gave instructions on what to do and how to do it and there's more than one in the house? And everybody, you ever come back to the house and immediately when you walked in the door, you could quote Judges 17, 6. Well, we left, went away for the weekend, and everybody in this house did what they thought was right in their own eyes, right? No trash was taken out. There's plates of whatever everywhere. Nobody found the dishwasher because it's hidden. It's the greatest kept secret in the whole house, you know. There's stuff in everybody's rooms. The beds aren't made. There's clothes everywhere, under bed, all, that whole deal. Because everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes, right? You ever seen that happen in the world that we live in? When people begin to do what they think. What if we went out on the highway today? What if we got out on 70 and everybody decided, you know what? I'm not going to listen to the deputy sheriff. I'm not going to listen to the highway patrol. I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. My car will do zero to 60 in 1.3 seconds. <laughs> my car will do zero to 60 in about seven and a half miles. But anyway, um, if we... <laughs> If we all do what's right in our own eyes, there's chaos, right? There are laws in place. There are things that are established for a purpose and for a reason. And God has placed them there. 
And what he wants us to understand is we got to look. Look at the, the children of Israel in the book of Judges. Over and over and over again, they rebelled. They messed up. They came back to God. Then they rebelled again and messed up and came back to God and said, God, we don't understand. How many of you know that doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity? Okay? We're not intended to do that. God never wanted us to do that. And here's the bottom line. There are truly only two systems of belief when you really boil it down. There are two. Jesus stated it succinctly in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The KJV says, have it more abundantly. See, there are two, two choices that we can make each and every day. One leads to death, and one leads to life. And what we believe is that God intends for us to have a full and abundant life, but there's only one belief system that leads us there, and it's adhering to what God has told us to do. But some of you here this morning are holding on to beliefs, and if you don't replace them, you're going to crash and burn. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know, I'm doing what's right in my own eyes. I'm doing the best I can. I'm a, you know, ain't nobody ever give me nothing. I'm a self-made man. I'm a, I'm a self-made woman. I, you know, everything I got, I had to work hard for. And it's because I hook or crook, I did it. You know, I made it happen. Maybe that's your belief system. But my sense is that some of you are here in you know that you got to change the way you're thinking. You got to change the way you believe. And even you got to change the way you look at the enemy because you know that if you don't, you're going to crash pretty soon. Some of you are here because the crash brought you here. And some of you are crashing over and over and over again, but you just haven't come to the realization that, man, I got to stop doing the same thing I've been doing. I got to change the way I'm living. I've got to move from this thing. Of, of, of doing it my own way, thinking that you're doing it your own way, and really just following what the enemy is, is encouraging you to do. So, he is a decided fact. And then secondly, he is a destructive force. Not only is he real, but he is bent on evil. He has horrible intentions for you and me. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober-minded, be watchful, because he prowls around like a roaring lion. He wants to devour you. Now, I want you to notice something here. When God was describing the devil, he compared him to an animal in the cat family. Just saying. All you cat owners, all I am is the mailman, okay? I'm just delivering the mail, just reading scripture here. No, we love the cat people. God bless you. Um, <laughs> bless their hearts. But, uh, <laughs> but on a serious note, notice what the devil is doing here. He's looking for someone to devour, he's looking for someone to destroy. He's looking to be destructive in your life. Let's look again at John 10, 10. 
Jesus contrasts his purpose with the enemies. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what does Jesus come to do? He comes to give you what? Life. He comes to give you life and to give you life abundantly. See, we see again that he is a destructive force. His intentions are evil. He is so crafty and so cunning. He will convince you to rationalize sin. I have sat in my office with people before who were clearly living in rebellion against God, going as hard, fast as they could, the opposite way of God and what he had called them to do. And they, I've even had people pull the Bible out and defend their sin with Scripture. And you can do that if you skip and dip. You know what skip and dip is, right? We turn here and we just put our finger on a passage of Scripture, turn here, put a... Yeah, you, make, you can make words say whatever you want them to make whatever you want them to say. But the reality is, the only person you're fooling is yourself. The only person you're fooling is you when you believe and you begin to rationalize and say, man, I tell you, you know, I, I understand. I tell you what, I'm gonna get in trouble here. My third week here and I'm about to get in trouble. Y'all ready? Ugh. I got to do this or I got to do that because financially I can't help it. I'm in a position. Me and this person have to live together out of wedlock because I can't afford to live by myself. You know what we're essentially saying? Well, if God had provided for me, I wouldn't have to live the way I'm living. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. And I know that's not popular preaching. And I know that that don't make me popular when I say it. But I'm going to tell you something. God has set standards before us. And I have been called to preach and teach the full counsel of the word of the living God. And when he tells us not to do something, there's a very good reason he tells us not to do it. It is so that we may have life and have it abundantly. He is telling us that and teaching us that so that we can live a life of abundance. But we, and not just in that, but in many different things we rationalize. We rationalize at the office when we take a little extra thing here, a little extra thing there. You know, we, we misuse whatever it may be because we feel like, well, you know, I deserve that. I just deserve, you know, I got to be honest with you. I'm standing up here. Do you know that the mailman that's delivering your mail has got as much junk to deal with in his life than anybody else does, right? I got stuff. You got stuff. All God's children got stuff. Amen? I got stuff. I'm sitting here teaching and preaching you. Do you know what I do every time I get on the highway? You know what I do? Same thing you do. Speed limit's 55. Uh, 63, I will not get a ticket at 63. Set the cruise. Right? I won't. I'm telling you. I went to Georgia this week. Went to check on my mom. I'm driving down uh, I-20 and I-26 and 95. And good gracious, if you go 75 and 78 on I-95, you better get out of the way. You might as well be on a moped on the interstate, okay? Because you're going to get run over. By somebody. What is the speed limit? 
70 miles an hour, 65 in some places. When I set it at 73, man, golly. See, you see what y'all just did to me now? I'm going to have to slow down. It's going to take me 30 more minutes. <laughs> but we rationalize that stuff, don't we? We all do it. But the enemy wants us to believe, man, that's okay. You just keep doing it. And then you do it in that little thing and do it in this little thing and compromise here and compromise there. Casting Crowns years ago came out with a song and the title of it was Slow Fade. Nobody gets down in the miry muck and mess of sin just overnight. We, we have Celebrate Recovery that we afford not only to all of our locations at the bridge, but also to the community. And there are many different churches. I think five days a week, you can be a part of a Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is for, me, for anybody with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's all of us. A lot of people think, well, it's just for people who are battling with a, you know, maybe a chemical addiction or whatever the case may be. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, today, I'm going to be an alcoholic. Today, I'm going to step outside my marriage and have an extramarital affair. Nobody wakes up one day and just says, today, I think that's what I'm going to choose. It's incremental, slow steps in the wrong direction direction that calls us one day to look back and say, how in the world did I get here? Am I the only one that's ever been there? I don't think I am. But it's that slow fade. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I told you at the beginning, his greatest ploy is to convince us that he doesn't exist because see if he can convince us of that then when things start happening like that and our thinking starts getting stinking and we start making poor decisions one itty bitty seemingly insignificant decision at a time he can get us to a point where we're completely and utterly in a place we never thought we'd be before See, he isolates us. You got a cell phone in your pocket, on your, on your lap, in your pocketbook right now. You can live a completely separate life sitting right beside the person that you love with that phone. It is a wonderful tool, but it is a dangerous thing if we put it in our hands and there aren't parameters set and we say this is who I am and the way I'm gonna live and I know the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy and he may want to do that in my life one click at a time. We gotta know our adversary. We have to know that he is our enemy. But here's the other thing I wanna point out. Another thing I want to point out is that the devil is not uh, everywhere. He is not omnipresent. He is not omnipotent. All those big words mean this. He isn't everywhere at the same time. He doesn't know what you're thinking. And he's not behind every bush. Okay? Man, I tell you what, the devil, he just, he's all over me. I mean, and look, there are days the devil is all over you. But there are a lot of days we're giving the devil a whole lot of credit that he ain't due. All right? Some of it. Man, look, 
See what happened? It happened again. I got all high-pitched on you there. You got me emphasizing something. Some of it's Andy's fault. Man, I, I, I come home sometimes, man, I'm fussing, blah, 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 blah. My wife will look at me, God bless her, bless her heart. I thank the Lord for her, but sometimes, man, she's so right, it's just irritating. <laughs> and I'll fuss and complain about something, and she's like, mm, that ain't the devil. Sound like you just a, a dummy today, you know? <laughs> sometimes we're just a dummy. Ain't got nothing to do with the devil. We don't need to give him credit. He's not due, all right? But he is out there to destroy, to kill, to demolish and obliterate our lives. But he is not an equal opposite to God. That is very important for you to understand. He is a created being. He is an angel, so he does not have all this power that oftentimes we probably we, we, um, we give him in Hollywood and in all these movies and all this stuff. He has limited power, but he is a destructive force. And then lastly, Satan is a defeated foe. I got to come in for a landing. He's a defeated foe, and that is good news, isn't it? He is a decided fact. He is a destructive force, but he is a defeated foe. Foe. John 12, 31 and John 16, 11, Jesus says that Satan's judgment is certain. It is coming. Revelation 20, 10 says, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and then false prophets were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and that will be a day that we will celebrate, amen, but in the meantime, what do we do? In the meantime, he is the prince and power of the air. Ephesians six eleven says, we put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy, that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That can also be translated methods. Here's the good news. The enemy, Satan, doesn't have a lot of tricks. Here's the bad news. The ones he does have, he's really good at running them. He's really good at the playbook. Look, it's why a guy as simple as me from a little town in northeast Georgia can sit with people day in and day out and talk to them about the stuff they're going through and almost verbatim tell them what is happening in their lives because what the enemy does, he doesn't change the game plan. We just continue over and over and over again to fall for the same thing. What are the tricks of the enemy? What are the things that he wants to, to perpetrate in our life? Well, I'm glad you asked. Next week, we're gonna talk about them. And I hope you'll be here. I hope you won't, I hope th that you won't find a reason not to come. Look, Grandma's gout, we'll let her watch on YouTube, okay? You, 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 the, the sheets, I, I know, I know, guys. I'm telling you, this morning when the alarm went off, my covers weighed 1,200 pounds. I did not want to get up out of bed, but I, I did. I said, I got to because I'm the preacher. I need to come. <laughs> oh. But, you know, 
Might be a big deal, Gage, if I didn't show up today. But um, come next week, because here's what we're going to find. Look with me at this last passage of Scripture in 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What is that? Possessions, pleasure, position. Satan used this in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He tried to use it on Jesus, and he uses it on us as well. We start looking around, and, and, and you know, we're, we're chasing after Things We're chasing after material stuff. We're chasing after pleasure. What makes me feel good? What makes me happy? We chase after position. And what does God want us to do? How does he want us to respond to all those things? He wants us to respond with that song we sang, Gage, this morning. That very last song. God, I just want you. I love the line in that song in one of those verses where it says, you don't owe me anything. God, you don't owe me anything. How many of you know that if we got from God what we deserved? Whoo! High standard cleaning be coming up here doing getting a whole lot of greasy spots and they'd start on the stage if we got what we deserved. But by the grace of Almighty God, and because of his mercy, because of his mercy, he's given us an opportunity to have life, to choose something other than the world, to get our focus on something other than possession, pleasure, or position. And we can say, nope, not today. Not today, Satan. John, our guitar player up here, was telling me a story. He gave me permission, said I could share it. It's on the bass this week. And uh, another person that he works with, same rank, comes up to him. Won't get into all the details of the story, but just kind of, you know. Anybody ever walked up to you and just talked to you wrong? You ever been talked to wrong? You know, in a way that you wouldn't talk to somebody else. And you're like, mm, mm. No, no, somebody's about to get embarrassed right here. Now you're talking to me wrong. And he said 90% of everything in him was like, yep, I'm about, to, I'm about to set somebody straight. They don't even know. Do you even know who you're talking to? But he said, no, nah. no, nope, I'm going to take a step back because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Not about me winning. Not about me being the most popular. Not about me, you know, it, it's just not about me at all. So he said, I love what he said. He said, so I flipped the script. And I just said, you know what? You're awesome at the job you do. Well, thank you very much. You know, you know what that did? Any kind of defensiveness, any kind of whatever that that person might have had, just whew, took it right down. 
Because he made a decision and he said, I'm not gonna make this about me. How can I approach this situation and, and talk to this person in such a way that's gonna honor God? Wasn't manipulation. Wasn't an intent to, he's not, there's not a, there's not an angle here. It's just, I just wanna do what's right. I want to do what I believe God wants me to do. How many of you know as believers in Christ that when we hear that still small voice, a lot of times it goes against the grain of everything we want to do in that moment? We're like, oh, come on, God, tell me something else because you know you really want me to do this. And he said, nope. No, I don't. They hit you here, give them that one. Give them the other cheek. But I want us to remember John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What system of belief is God calling you to abandon today? We all have adopted something. And if it's something that isn't bringing life, if it's something that isn't God leading us, then we have to abandon a belief system today. Joshua said in 24, 14, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what's wrong with me today, but I'm very emotional, and I, I used to apologize for that, but I guess it's something God's put in me, so I can't be sorry. But God has come that you would have life, and he has come so that you would have it abundantly. And the invitation this morning is simple. If you're not choosing life, and you know it, but you've been making excuses, and you've been rationalizing it, and you've been looking across the aisle and saying, well, you know, I, I know, I do this and this, but, but so-and-so over there would, can we just do this today? Can we cut through all of that and just say, God, today, I choose life. I choose you. There's parts of my life I know I haven't surrendered to you. There's parts of my existence I know I haven't given to you. Guys, he wants nothing less than all of us. He wants your whole heart. Would you give it to him today? Would you trust him with it today? Would you stand with me as we pray? God, the enemy doesn't like it when we open up the playbook. When we look at film and we, we start acknowledging what he's doing and how he's messing in our lives. 
And God, when we hear a sermon like this, the temptation is to be distracted and not to pay attention or to put up a wall and say, I can't believe he would say this or that or he can't be talking to me because I'm not in that. God, I pray that you would help us cut through all of that. Because someone's eternity is at stake. And I pray that today, if we've been adhering to whatever belief system it may be, however it's packaged, however it's labeled, if we've been abiding by a belief system that does not lead to life, that at the center of it is not Jesus and your word as our guide, then Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, we would abandon that system of belief and say yes to you. For somebody here today, that's coming to you for the very first time. But for a lot, of us, a lot of us here today, it's making some adjustments in our life. It's saying, you know what? I, I'm doing a lot of things well, but there are a few things I haven't abandoned yet. I've given a lot to God, but if I'm honest, I haven't given him lordship because he's really not master of every part of my life. And today, God, I surrender all to you. With open arms, open hands, and an open heart, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. And I ask you to lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness in my life today. I let go of the stuff I've been holding on to, and I run to you, God. In Jesus' name.